0: Now more than ever, people need to go within and plug into that cellular memory, plug into the divine source, detach as much as possible from the matrix. Hello again everybody, this is James Bartley and you're listening to the Cosmic Switchboard Show. My very special guest today is Jeff Brady. Jeff Brady is an independent radio producer and a host of the weekly radio show In Other News. He's produced several radio documentaries, including Hacking Democracy and A Detailed Look into Digital Voting Machines, Climate Engineers, and a, he created a one-hour documentary about the perils and propaganda of weather control technology. He's also filmed some of the most compelling UFO phenomena in the New York City skies from 2005 to 2020. Uh, without any further ado, Jeff Brady, welcome to the Cosmic Switchboard Show.
1: Oh, it's great to be on your show, James. Thank you.
0: It it is for me too, and and I was scrutinizing some of the pictures you sent, and you know they're quite extraordinary. Um, some of these, um, a lot of them are clear as day, and a lot of them are in high visibility. They seem to be, you know, not always at dusk or dark. I mean, there's just a lot of activity in the skies of New York City, and I definitely want to hear more about this. But before we delve into that, could you tell our listeners about yourself, um, how you came to be in our field? your uh, voyage of discovery, if you will.
1: Sure. I did have a UFO sighting. Uh, I was in the army for three years in 1987. I think it was, I had, we all had to do this sort of rotating guard duty every week. And I was guarding a parking lot and it was about three in the morning. And I saw a, bright you know luminous object in the sky doing all sorts of maneuvers going from one side of uh, the sky to another quadrant of the sky and doing figure eights and i at that point i thought what is this and and i wasn't used to i i've never seen anything like this i've heard about it i've you know, in search of maybe Leonard Nimoy. Um, But that was a, um, you know, like one marker in my life. And I, I was in my early 20s. I think I was 21. And from there, you know, really didn't see anything. Got out, went to school. When I moved to New York City, that's when it really started to take off. And I would see things out of the corner of my eye in guy. And I turned to look, and it, some, I'd see something sparkling, and it would just stop sparkling, or the object would go behind a cloud. And I thought, wow, okay, there, there's activity up here. I wonder what it is. And by 2005, um, I, there was a, I lived near an abandoned field. By the East River, and it was right across from Manhattan. And at the time, I was testing out the and uh, this German pair of binoculars. They're really good, and I'm like, okay, let me see what I can. Let me test this out. You know, I've got this huge vista in front of me. Um, and I'm looking around and stuff. And right above me, I mean, like directly above me, were two long. Triangles positioned horizontally side by side, motionless, and they were a sandstone color. And this color and texture looked similar to the setting sun reflecting off of, you know, Manhattan skyscrapers that have a blonde colored stone exterior. They look like they were made of stone, and surrounding them were round objects levitating in the air they were deep vibrant colors uh pink red orange violet green and my neck started to ache because i was looking straight up so i laid down on the gravel and this abandoned field was you know full of um you know an excavated uh, landscape and i remember laughing because I'm I'm laying there laughing and I forgot because I forgot my camera, number one, and it was also a confirmation that this was likely of non-human origin because human-made objects, spacecraft or aircraft like this, they're more uh made um they wouldn't, they wouldn't do all this, all these frills, they wouldn't have these brightly colored things. And I don't think they would, you know, and cause, uh, you know, maybe this attention to them. Um. So I think this was likely of non-human origin. And then, uh, you know, for two years after that, really, uh, I was just seeing things out of the corner of my eye and pointing them out to people, which is not a good idea. Um, I stopped doing that really quickly and uh, it was just a matter of getting a decent, um, you know, point and shoot camera at that time. Cause back then, you know, I was, you know, uh, working, I was working, I was doing freelance work and I was working at a secondhand store and I was not pulling in a lot of, a lot of money. So a point and shoot, you know, megapixel, 10 megapixel camera was, you know, something that was, pretty decent back then. And the next event was in uh, 2007, again, at the vacant field. And at this location, like I said, you're standing on um, layers of history going back to Lenape tribes in the 15th century and even further back. But it was the site of a huge sugar refinery called the Jack Frost Sugar Refinery. It was a concrete plant and it was a daily news printing press. But right right at this time, 2007, the land was partially excavated for development. And it had construction debris everywhere, piles of gravel and dirt. There were boulders of asphalt and concrete, remnants of demolished industrial buildings pulled out of the ground. And so I'm standing there and... You know, the East, I'm right by the East River and within, and I could look all the way down the East River. Manhattan's on the right. Um, I'm on the border of Queens and Brooklyn. It's on, you know, I'm standing on that side of the the land, rivers in between. And I hear these helicopters approaching, approaching. It's about, you know, within 15 minutes of being there. And they were military helicopters coming in kind of low above the East River coming in from the south. It's like a, a P- Apocalypse Now uh, scene. And They were Huey helicopters. And instead of continuing on their course, they make a U-turn from right about where I was standing, and they, they head back due south. And I, I'm recording them, but at some point I stopped recording and I took photos. And I thought, okay, did some agency detect UFO activity here, and then they were dispatched. So that's what I was thinking. So I got home and I looked at the the footage and there were two um, UFO, uh, round, white spheres moving right by the uh, helicopters as they were making that U-turn. And in the stills, there are white disc-shaped objects in those stills. And I thought, wow, this is, there's a, there's a lot of activity here. And, you know, basically for the next 10 years from, from that point on, I kept visiting randomly, uh, to, and just started scanning the skies with the point and shoot. And then later with, uh, uh, a video camera and I slowly started to learn how to, use a video camera because I've, you know, I just had to learn all this stuff, but I was really, you know, taken by the fact that they are showing themselves because from that point in my life, I've heard that they don't exist and it's a conspiracy and here they are showing up. And and the, again, these are mostly anomalous airborne shape-shifting entities that I've found communicate using mimicry archetype shapes and color. And so I was consistently posting the videos onto YouTube and I have a channel called budget moon. The name came from a photograph of budget rental trucks with the moon in the background. I, I looked at it. and said great, I'll use the name for uh, the channel. So that's, that's what I used it for. So that's how I got started. During this
0: process, Jeff, did you notice any uh, change in your sleep patterns? Did you have any interesting dreams that stood out or stick out during that time frame? Any synchronicities or any uh, psychic phenomena?
1: I was doing so much at that time because I was um, I was doing a lot of freelance radio work and I was DJing at a couple bars every week and then i was working at the secondhand store and i was interacting with a lot of musicians and djs and writers and um so my sleep wasn't that great you know once i went to bed i just I slept uh the, the apartment the building that i lived in was haunted uh so there, there was that element going on i I didn't realize it until toward the the last few years before I moved, the activity really uh, kicked in. You would open the front door of the building, and as soon as you open the front door, you would hear voices. It was sort of mixed in with the kind of rummaging sound of, you know, your clothes brushing up against the threshold of the door and then the door closing and then you're stepping on creaky wood and you hear like whispering and and a voice here and there it was it happened almost every time so there was that going on a couple dreams come up two in particular one dream I was I remember I was running from some type of dentist chair that came out of some kind of craft and, um, another this was interesting. So I was rising up above the buildings in the neighborhood, so it's almost as if I came up through the roof of my building while still sitting in my office chair, and I was hundreds of feet in the air right underneath some type of aircraft, and then the doors opened, and I looked inside. And there are humans, and they're like working out in some kind of gym, and, and and these are just dreams, right? But they were very clear, so I thought that was really um, weird. The rising up uh, dream—that was—I uh, th- I think that's kind of a classic abduction thing.
0: Yes, that's what it sounds like to me. And I've had dreams, so-called, involving dentist chairs. Quite elaborate dentist chairs, actually. And in one dream, I was laying. I was reclining in one. Well, no, first I was sitting up in it like normal, and then suddenly it just reclined uh, very quickly. And I remember like being quite frightened, oh, screaming basically, because things happened so fast. And then the sensation of rapid descent. Uh, because in the dream, I was in a place simulated to look like a car dealership. And I was brought in there, made to sit down in this you know, quite uh, exotic-looking dentist chair. It reclined suddenly. I uh, got really frightened and I got the sensation of being pulled underground, uh, kind of like that when you're in a rapidly descending elevator. Mm -hmm. Uh, And on other occasions, I've had dreams of uh, being sucked upwards, uh, like with my arms and legs dangling downwards and uh, facing downwards, but being pulled up as if a big magnet was sucking my back and just pulling me up into the sky. Uh, Sometimes I had the sensation I was in a, a big tunnel being pulled upwards and I could see, like, Lights flashing by me, kind of like when you go up an elevator and in, in the old days, and you can see out the gaps of the elevator, you can
1: see mm-hmm.
0: the floors, right?
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, the lighted
0: floors going up or down. That was the sensation I was getting, so I, I could relate to that. But you mentioned earlier something about alien mimicry or UFO mimicry. Could you elaborate on what you mean by that?
1: Some of the uh, craft that I was filming would mimic. Planes, birds, uh, clusters of balloons, um, street lamps. I didn't catch that, but that was an anecdote from a person in Pennsylvania. Her name's Allison Cruz. She was looking down this road and there's a row of street lamps and one of the street lamps just lifted off and took off into the sky. Um. They mimic helicopters, and they mimic small planes. And Carissa Conti, colleague of yours and friend of mine, has also noticed the circling small planes. I've definitely noticed that as well. i filmed or caught on video, digital video, air, aircraft that appear to be planes but are not. They're, okay, so during the day they start to morph or uh, suddenly the the wings disappear in some frames or something glitches out at night and this happened more in uh, Canada I caught uh, you know where uh, my family lives British Columbia one night I was just out on, on this beach filming the sky with the night vision i was I thought I would be able to uh, catch something up there, and I didn't until I brought the the night vision down to the horizon that's where all the activity was, and I used the night vision as a a scout you know to identify where you know um, some activity was and then I would get a regular video camera and step up the ISO to be able to um, maybe get some color and a little more definition. It's very difficult. It's so dark out there. But I was able to see this similar pattern that occurs in other places where at night these UFOs mimic uh, planes. So they try to mimic the FAA light patterns but they don't do it very well and that's how you're able to you know distinguish them from regular planes of course it's not that they don't do it very they don't do it well at all the the lights would disappear and then kind of move around on on the aircraft it's really bizarre it's almost like they don't know what they're doing in, in terms of the mimicry but i've seen that I mean, a lot of that. And um, that's on uh, the YouTube channel, Budget Moon. If you just type in the search uh, Canada, you'll see some of those videos posted there. And in this park, because I lived in New Jersey right across the Hudson River uh, the last few years when I had lived in uh, the New York City area because my uh my landlady passed away and her son and his sisters they sold the building and so we had to move right away i think within a few months we were we were out of there whole all, uh, all the tenants so i had to move and i th- oh you know i'm sure there there are ufo's in this area as well and there were they're all over that that area as many people know uh, all up the hudson valley and uh through all those um Waterways. But I was, I went further into New Jersey into this park and was able to sort of find this place that, I, you know, it didn't have a lot of traffic, uh, pedestrian traffic at first until I got there. It was really weird. I, I you know, I tried to keep a low profile. And uh, so once I started really getting sightings there, then people started to show up and kind of wander back there. It was, it was really odd. Uh, but that's how this stuff works. It, you know, I'm sure you know what I'm talking about here, Chance. But what I noticed, okay, so this was a pu- public park, and no, no one really went to this place. There were a lot of uh, birds. There, it was an estuary that was sort of created to sort of help this water flow. Uh, in the area that kind of went all the way through uh, back into the, the Hudson River, and so there are a lot of birds around there. And what I found, and to, what is well, I found that the UFO activity there, some of it would mimic birds. And I got two really good uh, images and and footage. One really really good uh, piece of footage of this translucent bat bird looking thing no head uh just kind of floating into the trees clearly not a bird but you would never ever you know if you just glanced over and saw something you would never know but catch it on video and it's decent resolution and you can go frame by frame and you, I could see the sunlight streaming through it. It was translucent. And when the sun hit it, it was quite remarkable. So you have that element. And then you have the balloon element. And that this is what caused a lot of problems because it's very controversial. It's a fine, almost indiscernible line between the balloon type entity and the human-made balloons. I couldn't see the difference with the footage right in front of me and you know it's likely another type of mimicry you know considering how these aerial fauna also take on you know aerial detritus and it's it could be adaptive camouflage deployed in a human environment to just keep a low profile and and be among humans i'm guessing that's what's going on Because people don't want to look dumb for making, you know, mistaking errant balloons uh, for uh, a complex life form, shape-shifting to uh, stay hidden. But, yeah, I noticed that these, I was seeing a lot of these balloon-type entities in the Brooklyn East River abandoned field area. And I wondered if they were coming out of the water. I know they... They do go into into the water and they I don't know if they come out. They might. I don't I don't know. Yeah, I haven't, I haven't caught it on video ever, but I've seen sort of prototype balloon type shapes. And they remind me their movement reminds me of jellyfish. And this I, I caught one on video. It was almost like a genesis of a spherical ufo so it's snaking up into the sky with the little tail anybody kind of looking up glancing up would see a balloon but if you have a camera on it you could tell it it's not quite a, a balloon in fact the the balloon part of it opened up like a hood in the tether or filament tucks up into the the hood And it closes up, and it becomes this round silver ball that then moves horizontally across the sky. And I caught that in video, and I thought, okay, this is an evolutionary process here, and it's rare to catch it on video. And it reveals a metamorphosis that could be possibly what a lot of people in in the New York City area are seeing, In terms of a ufo not all of them of course but this could be one of them looking at this i was thinking you know how aquatic sea life have a swim bladder jellyfish have a special swim bladder allowing buoyancy is this a similar biological mechanism allowing these objects to move around in the sky i I don't know so yeah, you have the birds, uh, the balloons, and then you, ha- oh, by the way, so they, these balloon type entities, they, they cluster up into maybe hundreds of clusters, and uh, I've caught the biggest balloon cluster ever so far. It's, no one's ever caught anything else that that large on video. And there was a guy in California who is also a sky watcher. I mean, there's hundreds and hundreds of people like me doing the same thing. But he took my video and started doing some measurements. And he said this this huge balloon cluster, I, I think it was in 2014 or 15. Is about forty-six feet high. It, it was gigantic, James. And he called a couple balloon companies, and he showed them this photograph and this this image. I think he sent them the video or an image. Several of them wrote back to him and said, "We would never create anything like that. And if we did, I mean, first of all, it's it that would be an environmental catastrophe, and." it would cost upwards of $18,000 to make that. I've caught a few others like that. How do I know that they're not balloons? Well, when you start to look at these clusters and you look you know, at the footage and slow it down, some of them were had flashing lights inside of them. They were sparking. And in one um, video, there's a, a red... There was a cluster of balloons. The balloons were pink and and white. And I think there were some red balloons. But there was something in the middle that was red. And it was sliding around inside. And the flashing light came from that. It was kind of creepy looking. And then they take on these... You know, suddenly the it's kind of a random shape of just, you know, maybe... <laughs> 20 or 15 balloons all tied together, and then it would suddenly make a, a geometric shape and hold that shape for a while. So they would do weird things like that. That's what I've seen in terms of the the, the mimicry. I mean, of course, helicopters. I've not seen that, but I've seen video of, of that and the small planes. Carissa has has documented that. One thing that was really strange about the small planes circling is they would almo- they would be moving so slow that it would – how would you even stay up in the air just moving at that speed? I mean, I'm no expert. It, it was just v- very odd. And then the sound of the small plane didn't kind of – it seemed too loud. Almost as if it was projected, and you hear reports of this planes at night over areas like such as pine bush um, that have almost a projected ro- roaring sound to them. So you know, I'll I'll throw that in there. I'll throw throw in the small planes as a very suspect and in, in the mimicry. So the mimicry is just not drawing attention to themselves and some form of adaptive camouflage and maybe vulnerable points of their mo- movement around human environments. I think that's what's going on.
0: And as far as the mimic is concerned, thank you for, for sharing that. I've seen video footage uh, using a telescope and uh, the uh, videographer that was capturing imagery of gigantic spaceships. Uh, oftentimes they would position themselves uh, from the perspective of the, uh, us, uh, us on Earth at a uh, a spot that uh, coincided with a pre-existing celestial body, be it a star or a mm-hmm. constellation or something along those lines. But when you zoom in with the uh, the camera, you see... These objects uh, pulsating uh, almost like a living light within, and some of them are rapidly changing shape. And these are enormous in scale. And like I said, they position themselves in places where you would think that, okay, that's a known position of a star, right? But it's not. And they come in all kinds of amorphous shapes, and some of them shape shift quite frequently. And like I said, they're gigantic in scale. These small planes have been described for a long time. Uh, If memory serves uh, the late, great Leonard Stringfield, in in one of his books, in one of his first books, he talks about a case uh, somewhere in America, if memory serves, where it was uh, night, it was uh, not ideal conditions for flying and I think there was a heavy ground fog and the not really observers on the ground but the people on the ground stated for hours they heard what seemed to be a very loud small airplane flying above the, uh, the fog layer and Stringfield pointed out, well this was an age before air-to-air refueling was, was the norm this was an age really when uh, Although instrument flying had been developed by then, uh, there's not many people that would be willing to fly a light aircraft for hours in the fog at night, right over a particular locale. So there was a lot lot of anomalies with that, and the helicopters that well embedded into the lore of um, of UFO research that uh, some of these craft mimic, take on the appearance of helicopters. Uh, there was a lot of reports of anomalous helicopter activity along the demilitarized zone, so-called, in, in Vietnam, through the Vietnam War, but it was clear that the North Vietnamese Army didn't have all those helicopters, and mm. the uh, Americans were perplexed as to uh, their origin. Oh, so, I didn't um, know that. Yeah, wow. so we've had an interesting uh, first segment with our guest, Jeff Brady. Jeff, can you uh, tell our listeners how they can find you online, how they can find your, your excellent uh, podcast.
1: Yeah, it's, it's a radio show. It's actually on uh terrestrial radio. The show is called uh, the website is called in other And the show is called in other news. Uh, it's been going uh, since 2010 and it, it's on a handful of stations. It was, it's generally just been on, um, on the radio. You know, it, I really didn't move out into a podcast environment. I, I should really get into that eventually. Um, yeah, and uh, the YouTube channel, uh, which is kind of a separate world, I don't connect to any of this. Is uh, Budget Moon? That's where all the UFO and anomalous stuff is is um, posted.
0: Uh, and to our uh, listeners out there, if you like what we do, if you believe in what we do. Please go to thecosmicswitchboard.com, sign up and become a member, and we'll see you at the top of the next segment.